0: the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hi, this is Bobby O'J, program director and morning personality for WDIA, hanging out with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast.
1: Hi, it is Carlos Shaw and I am hanging out with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host with the most, your double E, Ina Esco. You guys could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with me today. And check it out. If you support this grind, this podcast, you know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and it takes a lot to do a production. So if you would like to support these efforts, hey, hit my cash tag up. It is a dollar sign, Ina Esco. E-N-A-E-S-C-O. I'm very excited today because I have political royalty here with me. I am talking about the Senator. A Tennessee
1: Senator is in the building with me, Katrina Robinson. How are you, beautiful? Oh, awesome. I'm just I'm excited to be here. It's about time you had me on your show. (laughs) Yes, well, you
0: know, you've been busy. You know, you go to Nashville. You're a servant of the people, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, what What I do know is that prior to that, you didn't have a political background. Not at all. And that's very interesting mm-hmm. to me, to become a senator with no political background. So we're going to get into
1: all of that. But mm-hmm. what part of Memphis are you from, beautiful? So I am a South Mound-Haven combination. Oh, wait. Break it <laughs> yes, down for yes. me. So my mom is from Orange Mound. My dad's from South Memphis. So I spent time between my family's houses there. But I graduated from White Haven. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So how was it? growing up with this big gumbo
1: of, uh, of neighborhoods, huh? Well, you know, I was I was raised like an only child. I'm not an only child. Mm-hmm. My sister that's closest to me is like 14 years older than me. Wow. Right, so that's I was good. like her baby. Okay. And so really, I grew up a loner, just like making my own way, which is kind of like how I function now. Okay. And yeah. what were you into at Whitehaven? So in 10th grade... Prior to, prior to Whitehaven, I played basketball. Okay, so you were hoping. Yeah, but when okay. I went to Whitehaven, I decided I wanted to be a girl. So, gotcha. I was a cheerleader uh, in 10th grade, and then I did track, and then I was a majorette in 12th grade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fine. And choir, and lock club. Oh, you was one of those very ambitious worked. students. And yeah. worked. Yeah, I worked. I was like a supervisor at Kmart at sixteen. Wow. Yeah, I worked. Yeah. So
0: at that age alone, you was like, "I need this money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I gotta get it. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm getting all these." I've been working since I was 14. Wow. My first job was at Little Caesars Pizza. Okay. Yeah. So You've been grinding so for a front, minute. The front counter, smiling, all and stuff.
0: Girl, yeah. you a long way from the Little Caesar <laughs> days. You a long way. So tell me what
1: happened after you graduated from White Haven. So I graduated from White Haven in 1998, mm-hmm. and I went off to Xavier University in Louisiana. Uh, Okay, you went to Xavier. Yes, I was a Xavierite and uh, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Wow, what made you want to be a plastic surgeon? I just used to, well, I was stuck between a forensic scientist and a plastic surgeon. And so I used to watch all these shows. I don't even recall the name of them, but I used to watch these shows about plastic surgery and. before Botch even came out, and I just Mm -hmm. decided I wanted to be a plastic surgeon, so I was going to the number one school in the country for getting blacks into medical school at Xavier University in uh, Louisiana.
0: Wow, Mm -hmm. and you know what, Um, I think Jeremy Pierre was at Xavier. Were you Mm -hmm. there when he was there? No, I'm a little older than Jeremy. Okay, yeah, Yeah. but I mean, super proud. Mm -hmm. I mean, the people that go to Xavier, they're like, Hello, mm-hmm. we the we she's naive. Mm-hmm. So, and I know they have a great nursing program, so they must have everything medical-related going on Yeah, there. most
1: people that go to Xavier are going to be biology or chemistry majors, pre-med mm-hmm. majors. You had a few people that, you know, do stuff that's not traditional for Xavier, like mm-hmm. accounting and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't stay at Xavier. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I came home on Christmas break and had me a little fun one time. And okay. Got a little pregnant. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> and so I had to come home to my mm-hmm. mom and, you know, kind of just... Regroup and and do something different. And so when I came home, you know, I'm I'm always I've always been independent, mm-hmm. even when I was a little child. And so in my mind, I thought I was pregnant. I need to do something that I could you know start to create a living for myself and my baby at that time. And so I got a cosmetology license. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people know that. I did not know that. Right. Okay. But so in the midst of that, I ended up getting a job at Bell South in small business sales. And so that's what started my sales career. Prior to being a nurse, I was in sales. Mm -hmm. So I worked for Bell South. I worked for FedEx. And then ultimately, my last sales job was for Amerigas. And I was a strategic accounts director for them. Wow. Busy lady. Yeah, so I used to sell gas to the government. Okay. And so I closed this big deal for Amerigas, $16.9 million, Mm. and they decided they were going to downsize all director level positions. There they go. So they sent me home with my two children with uh, half a month severance pay and Philadelphia unemployment, and I took my butt to nursing school.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to go to nursing school?
1: So I had a previous degree in marketing management Mm -hmm. from the University of Memphis. Uh, that's where I finally ended up playing my feet after I came home. And um, so I went to Union for an accelerated program for nursing. It only took me one year to earn a bachelor's in nursing. Okay. And but how- it was a very rigorous program. Was it? Wow. Mm-hmm. I bet, like, within that time frame, they're going to mm-hmm. get the. Get I had the no end. life. No life. My kids had no life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was it was, it was was really rough, but, you know, I just had to stay focused because I knew I wanted to do something where I would be mm-hmm. secure to be able to take care of my kids, but also do things that I knew I was passionate about, and that's taking care of people. Right. Yeah. So
0: once you finished the program, you became a nurse. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how was that
1: for you? So I went on to work at Methodist University mm-hmm. um, as an ICU nurse. Ooh. Yeah, so you can imagine some of the things that we saw mm-hmm. because Methodist, of course, is a teaching hospital for a UT. Um, And I worked there for quite a while and decided that I wanted to help people get into the nursing field because I would meet so many family members and people that were there to see their loved ones and they wanted to get into nursing or to get in the medical field, but they didn't know how to and they didn't have the resources to do so. Mm -hmm. And I remember what it felt like for me because I always wanted to get into the nursing program from the time that my dad was sick and I took care of him a a few years prior to going to nursing school, but I didn't have the babysitters, I didn't have the money, Mm -hmm. and things just lined up for me when I got the job, uh, when I was laid out for my job, because I got Philadelphia unemployment, which was substantially more than Tennessee, mm. and it allowed me to create a living for my kids while I was going through nursing school. And so I just wanted to recreate that opportunity for other people, and so that's how I ended up founding the Healthcare Institute. Yep. Wow. So tell me about the Healthcare Institute. So the Healthcare Institute is Tennessee's only independently owned, only woman-owned, only black-owned licensed nursing that's school. That's a lot of onlys. Yes, we started in 2015 as a CNA program in a one-room uh, operation, and we've since grown to add additional programs, including a practical nursing program, which has been very successful. We have a 100% pass rate, mm-hmm. um, and we've just touched the lives of so many people. It's, I mean, when I think about it, I get kind of overwhelmed because I didn't really picture it going that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought I was going to teach a class on the weekends, help some people become CNAs. I didn't know I was going to start a full-fledged operation, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so you're seeing a lot of women that look like us come Absolutely. through that program. Absolutely. And,
1: and I know you're very proud. I am. I am. They, I mean, they call me. They text me. They're my Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my students just bought herself a four-bedroom house and a new car for her kids. I was so proud of her. Had another student just earned her bachelor's in nursing. So they're, they're excited. And once they get through that program, it's kind of like a jump start for them. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing to see what they do afterwards. Wow. What would you say is the hardest thing about being a nurse? Um, whew, a lot of hard things. But mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing for new nurses is to separate emotions from the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember my first time I lost a patient. Oh. Um, and I cried my eyes out. Oh my gosh. Because mm-hmm. we, we had kids the same age. She was my age, she was a new cancer diagnosis. Um, and mm-hmm. I left, I had her that day, and I left her with a nurse that wasn't familiar with the hospital. She was an agency nurse. And something in my gut just didn't feel right because she was on she was on the borderline all day long. And so when I came back in the next day, all I heard was the code going off. They were coding her, and um, there was a medication that she needed to keep her blood pressure up, and, and she ran out of it because the pharmacy couldn't get it up to her in time mm-hmm. because the girl didn't know what to do. So, you know, that, I just, I carried that with me for a uh, a while, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that happens to a lot of new nurses because I see our students, they go into the patient's room, they stay there two and three hours. You can't be there <laughs> for two and three hours. You have to be yeah. able to sever that and do the job, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that seems like that could be hard to do. It is.
1: It's very hard. It's very hard because especially if you do this work for the right reason, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard not to be a tied to your patients.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. So I'm saying you, you have this, you know, um whole business, um healthcare business, um, helping these people become nurses and you go
1: ahead and decide to run for senator. I don't know why. Tell me <laughs> Tell me how did this happen? So I've always been interested in politics. Um okay. my mom used to work on everybody's campaign and she'd take me along with her and then um in high school I used to joke and say I was gonna be the mayor. Um and when I got older, you know, I was always interested in education. I had my kids in public schools, and so I was a very involved parent, mm-hmm. and I would see inequities in their, in their education. And so my whole thing was maybe I'll run for school board one day. And then um, I started training to run for office, actually. Mm-hmm. I took quite a few classes to merge and uh, run for something um, and just trying to figure out where I fit in. And along that way, I was, you know, of course, working in my business, and I would meet girls from all different backgrounds, and we had so many issues outside of just education. I mean, you had homeless issues, you had literacy issues, um, criminal justice issues, where they were stuck, where they couldn't get a job, and couldn't even go to nursing school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt compelled to do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, I was trying to create a, a community program for them, and I reached out to... Our then-senator, our, my predecessor, and I just wasn't satisfied with the reception that I got. Did you get any reception? Did you get any response? <laughs> I got one. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't the one you wanted, It wasn't huh? one that I would give my constituents, but I right. got one. And right. so, you know, with that, it made me research a little bit more about uh, my predecessor and some of the things that he was doing and, and get a little bit more involved in the county party, and I decided to run for his seat. Wow. And that's what we did. And you won. I absolutely won, 69 I'm, to 31%. Okay, okay.
0: So that means, like, I, I heard what you said. You had a background in sales as well. You know how to market some stuff, don't
1: you? I can do a little something. Yes,
0: because it's obvious you ran a successful campaign. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you won. So you are out here being a servant for the people in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So this was 2018? Yes. 2018.
1: So how has it been? Um, It has been good, Mm -hmm. great, and bad. Um, I will say the most fulfilling part is being of service to people and -hmm. doing the real work that helps them, whether it's helping them get their unemployment after six, Mm -hmm. seven months, or helping them get their kids back from a misunderstanding, or helping someone with a child support issue. Um, is doing the real work mm-hmm. and showing up for people when they need you. If they get burned out, you can have access to funds to be able to help them find housing, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the politics that make it not so mm, desirable. Right, yeah. So right. I'm a person that's of the people. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I like. Mm-hmm. I don't like to play games about people that I represent. And yeah. so that that's the most frustrating part, being in the legislature.
0: Yeah. yeah, and as a senator, about how many people do you hear from? Like, let's just say, like, during a week you can hear from about how many people uh, i can't
1: count that far <laughs> wow but just just for reference i represent 200,000 people that's a lot of people yeah, i have 200,000 constituents in my district yeah
0: that is amazing yeah. and you know we were both recently um just past saturday at the memphis people's summit mm-hmm. um with pastor earl fisher mm-hmm. um leading the whole program and it was you and um uh tammy sawyer london lamar um, who am I missing? Um uh Van Turner. Van Turner. Mm-hmm. So you were all on there talking about, you know, the agenda, the programs that you have, what's going on um within, you know, your certain territory. So, you know, I was hearing a lot of good things, but what resonated with me was from the jump at that at that um Memphis People Summit when the guy, Orwin, put the budget up. Mm-hmm. We just talking about a city level for Memphis, mm-hmm. and all the money that they put into the police department versus the money that they put into schools. It was just so upsetting to me, mm-hmm.
1: and like this has been going on, like stuff like that. I don't like. I mean, either. I mean, and the state budget is not too far from that. You know, really, we rank one of the lowest states in spending for education. Why is that, Katrina? Um. It has a lot to do with who's in in the majority, and it has a lot to do with privilege. Um, And so now, you know, they've got this voucher program they're trying to push to basically funnel uh, funds away from our public school system. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I don't like, Mm -hmm. because to me as a legislator, it almost feels as if I have my hands tied because I have to go through all these hoops and stuff, and, and every time you decide that you want to do something that's, Just unjust to people, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a fight about it, yeah. And that's all we can do is fight because we need more people. And so that's what I want to talk to you about the redistricting process. So next Mm -hmm. year we're going to be redistricting, which means they're going to draw the lines again for representation. Mm -hmm. And so I need our folks to be involved in that. So I want to give you some information so that you can distribute it to your network too.
0: Definitely. Yeah. We need more
1: people. Definitely.
0: Yes. Yes, we do. Now, you know, I'm so proud of you, Katrina, because you have been fighting a good fight with a lot of pressure um you know you're not only a senator you are an entrepreneur and i know you know shortly after you uh were elected you know some people came for you mm-hmm. they tried to tell your name down mm-hmm. they still, still trying they're trying to take your
1: business away from oh, you
0: yeah why do you think these people came after you
1: you know i i can't speculate as to why you know I do cannot... you know them I don't. I can't. I can only guess. You know mm-hmm. where where this comes from, but you know it's it's a hurtful thing to have to go through, Ina, You know to know. And my son was sitting in on the interview with me uh, last week, and uh, the the right. interviewer was asking me about the process to get the school started. He was like, and my son was like, "Yeah, hey, I remember that because I would be up to three, going yeah, this with you too." Yeah, I, I would be up to three o'clock in the morning writing curriculum, doing plans, uh, writing the grant, like. It was blood, sweat, and tears. And even Mm -hmm. when I started the school, I would be there mornings, 8.30 to 2.30, teaching the day class. Mm -hmm. Then I'd leave and go get them, fix them something to eat, take a nap in the skills lab, teach the evening class, 5.30 to 9.30. Mm -hmm. Do everything all over again every day of the week. Mm -hmm. And and that was until I got staff. And just to see how the media and how the powers that be can create another picture of you Mm -hmm. and the public have to digest that without knowing the real story, it's hurtful. It's very hurtful.
0: Yeah. And, and I noticed, you know, um, recently I've been seeing you more vocal and I know it's probably a lot of litigation going on. You really mm-hmm. can't say too much. But I, I was one of the people in the background. Like, I know she got a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, I know mm-hmm. there is more than meets the eye. But it's amazing how the media picks sides mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. push the narrative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I'm glad you're talking yeah. that lady. So, they
1: got me looking like, you know, some greedy person that just mm-hmm. splurged this money on designer stuff and luxury lifestyle, and that's not the case. You earned it! Did, so, did I mean, y'all not hear her story just now? Like here's the thing, even if, you know, the, the media makes it seem as if I have stolen government funds exactly. and funded some luxury lifestyle, and that's not the case. Right. I run a for-profit business, mm-hmm. and Unfortunately for some people, we made a profit. And right. so you can't be mad about that. Can't be mad. And as a person who works 60 to 80 hours a week on my business, I deserve a salary. Yes, you do. That's how it goes. But, you know, uppity black women sometimes don't deserve things that people mm-hmm. say they don't deserve. And it's
0: Memphis, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the structure for a profit, for a profit business, you, have, you can pay a salary to the owner. <laughs> what yeah. is going on?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. It's all unfolding. It's unfolding. And so, you know, I think now the time is right for me to be able to, because like I told you before, I mean, I've been sitting on my hands and Mm -hmm. with my finger over my lips for the past year -hmm. and a half. You know, these people have all but destroyed my business. When they raided my business, Shelby County pulled funding for my students. No. The city of Memphis pulled funding for my students. Veterans Administration pulled funding for my students. They literally called them on the phone and told them they are not paying for their class. Mm. uh, These are students that had two weeks left, three weeks left, people who had just started the nursing program. And so do you think I was going to kick them out because of this? Right. No. So I ended up eating over $100,000 in tuition just so Mm -hmm. my students wouldn't have to leave class. But nobody's going to tell that story. No, they're not going to tell that story. Right. And so we're still pushing. The school's still open even though people think we're closed. Okay. We're still pushing out nurses. We still got 100% pass rate, and we're still bringing them in. Okay. Hey,
0: did y'all hear that mm-hmm.
1: verbally effective audience? Till then, one hundred percent
0: pass rate. <laughs> wow! So when you get over this hump, Katrina, what's next? Do you still want to remain the senator? Absolutely. You, so this is just just a this just a little
1: phase. This just part of my testimony. You know? Yes. This is just motivation for somebody else, inspiration for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, That's I was talking to somebody last week. You know, and one of the things that I'm I'm cognizant about is the perception that the public has of me. Um, and so I know the responsibility that comes with being what people would deem a role model. Mm-hmm. And so I don't ever want someone who's looking at me for inspiration or motivation to think, oh, well, she's defeated. You know, mm-hmm. she's not, she's thrown off her game. She's not doing her job. That's why I've remained vigilant about, you know, representing the people that I represent the same way that I did before all this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Making sure the school stays open. Making sure my students have opportunities. Nothing has changed. I've still done the same work, but just with more stress and less money. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. I Thank like you. that. And you know what? I am proud of you for being resilient through this whole process because
1: I can only imagine that's so hard. How are the kids doing? They're holding up, you know. How old are they? So my daughter's 19 and Ooh. my son will be 21 next month. Ooh. Yeah yeah so my son works for me he actually works at the healthcare institute and my daughter mm-hmm. uh, she is now a student there so mm-hmm. she's a licensed esthetician that's amazing so she owns Touched by Angel shout out to Amaya at 901 Skin IG okay Good shout out okay um, but she's a she's a licensed esthetician so she does you know facials body sculpting and that kind of stuff and now she's in nursing school because she wants to be able to do like fillers and Botox and stuff I said mm-hmm. I'm gonna be the first patient honey okay <laughs> and do they do that laser light phone yes, down yes, here yes yes keep me trimmed well, mark say uh what trim in the waist and, and cute in the face yes <laughs>
0: yes so tell me how the pandemic has affected your life Katrina
1: uh in all kinds of ways yeah. I was just telling somebody that I hate COVID mm, I, um, do. Ooh, I first went to New York when COVID first hit in March of last year um and it was so different than you know when I got on the plane it was like six nurses on the plane that was it like, really? nobody else was on the plane. It was, like, six people. You could pick wherever you wanted to seat. Mm-hmm. And um, we got to New York. The streets were empty. Times Square was empty. All you saw was the big billboard with lights on it. There were no people anywhere. Mm. Those hospitals were overburdened. They were undersupplied. We ran out of oxygen one night in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran out of IV pumps. I was literally counting IV drugs by eyesight. It was just something I'd never seen before. And the patients were so sick because this is the beginning of COVID. We didn't know how to respond to mm-hmm. it. And I spent a lot of time last year on COVID assignments. And as you could see as time progressed that we finally got protocols in place and people knew how to respond to not make the disease be as deadly as it was, but it was still an ugly, ugly sight. Yeah. And so that affected, you know, me personally, because now I know, you know, th- this is what we have to look forward to. And I, and, and in my mind, I was like, Tennessee is not prepared for this. Memphis is not prepared for you this. Saw it coming. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even with, I mean, COVID has affected everything, even from my students. My students last year, they didn't even get get to go to clinicals because they couldn't go to the facilities. They weren't allowing students to come in. Some of them still aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, We're getting ready to go to mental health clinicals, and a couple of the facilities that we used to go to are overburdened with COVID cases. They started out with eight, and now they got 21. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like wildfire. And, you know, COVID has created, of course, some financial problems because, Mm -hmm. you know, people can't pay, and then you got people that won't come to work. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of. But that.
0: those funds are about to run out, right?
1: Which funds you talking about?
0: Um as far as you know, I'm hearing a lot. We can't hire people they don't want to work cuz they getting the money from the government and all mm-hmm. of this and that. You those know funds. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, those funds are about to run out. They are. They got to run yeah. out, you know. I
0: was yeah. on a conference call at work and that's what our plant manager said. Mm-hmm. The funds are about to run out. We're we're going to get some people.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. But see You know, people want to blame it on unemployment and stimulus. It's more than that. It is. It's more than that. And I think the government has done, the federal government has done a poor job of administering the programs that they set forth for COVID relief. And I'm just, I mean, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think it's putting us in a worse position. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we thought that we were saving the small business environment and saving business owners, but we really hurt them.
0: Really? Do you feel like we're on a repeat right now of last year around this time?
1: I don't think it's as bad as last year yet, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say that it won't be, but right Mm -hmm. now, you know, uh, we're seeing cases spike and the patients are going to be younger, Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've kind of got into a comfort zone where we thought Mm -hmm. we were out of this thing, and now here we go again, and we thought that people were going to take to the vaccine immediately because they were scared of COVID, and they're Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm scared of the vaccine, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a lot of different factors now than it was this time last year. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's kind of scary because, um, you know, school is starting. Mm-hmm. You got kids the kids go asking back. a
1: lot of questions now. You and know. then you got all these fools at the state level that, that are saying, you know, we have mass mandates, we're going to get them vouchers so they can go to another school. Yes. It's the craziness for me.
0: It, it's yeah. a
1: lot of just craziness yeah. right now. I can imagine having kids in school right now. Yeah. I could. I do.
0: I do. I know you and do. it's scary. Yeah. It is very scary. Wow. So, Katrina, I really appreciate you for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I do want you to send us out with a little message. Um I do want to know this.
1: When you are no longer here, Katrina, when you're gone, mm-hmm. what do you want people to remember about you? I just want to be, leave a legacy of creating opportunity for other people. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person that inspires other people that when you are successful, you make other people successful. Mm-hmm. And you can't hoard opportunities to yourself. You can't live in a bubble, you have to reach back and pull somebody with you. And I, so, if that's my legacy, that's I'm, I'll be satisfied.
0: Definitely, I, I really think that is your legacy. I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, you stay resilient. If you need anything from me, you let me know. Oh, thank you. I've
1: always been a fan of you, Ena. thank you. I, just love your I voice. appreciate you got a voice it. Voice for radio and a Facebook TV. Oh,
0: <laughs> see, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Thank you so much, Katrina. I really appreciate you. For being our guest today. Let everybody know how they can get in touch with you, your
1: constituents all the people that want to follow you in your journey oh yes so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Senator Katrina Robinson that's S-E-N-A-T-O-R-K-A-T-R-I-N-A R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N on both Instagram and Facebook if you have a constituent issue you can reach my office at 615-741-2509 and if you want to stay updated on things that are going on in the Senate and in the community and any opportunities that I can let you know about you can text RUNDOWN R-U-N-D-O-W in to 22828.
0: And redistricting. redistricting Yes, redistricting information
1: will be sent out via rundown. I'll give you the rest of the information too.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Senator Katrina Robbins for for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode with this beautiful young lady on the Verbally Effective podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Subscribe, click like, and hit me up on that cash app dollar sign Ina Esco that's E-N-A-E-S-C-O. S C O I'll see you guys next week for another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast